We're here at the big 5G event in Austin, Texas. We're winding down the event, so this will serve as your notebook dump for the week of whatever week it happens to be. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. It's big 5G. End of the event. This is our event wrap-up and our notebook dump for the week. Uh, I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. Joining me is Kelsey Zeiser, Ian Morris, and Mike Dano. And it is great to have you guys here. Thanks for being at the show. Um, to make this super simple, because there's an awful lot going on in the communications landscape and here particularly at the event, uh, maybe we should just, starting with uh, Kelsey, just we'll just go down and uh, have a, one takeaway from the event. Something you've either learned, something you've verified that you already knew, or something that you're not sure about that people have said and you're still checking on it. Uh, I thought Evan uh, with Omdia, his presentation yesterday morning was really interesting. And he was talking about how service providers still need to figure out how to best monetize 5G and that, uh, you know, purchases of 5G phones has been really helpful, but we need to go a step further in other um, opportunities for monetization. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I suppose it's the open RAN topic for me. We've, yeah, yeah. There's been quite a lot of talk about that, which is to be expected, but there was quite an interesting uh, presentation by Ericsson, CTO for North America on, you know, them trying to show more commitment basically to the process. They have this new proposal that's been called Next Generation Lower Layer Split. I think it has a more official name, but um, which they're sort of pushing as a, a solution to some of the problems of the existing spec. Mm. Um, as I understand it, it's a little bit controversial. You know, there are there are people who see it as a possibly a delaying tactic, or there's concern that it could have, you know, what if it if it becomes sort of overly dominant within that specification, and you know, it's loaded with Ericsson's IP, for instance, um, yeah. which is which is rejected. You know, it's it's actually got some fairly good uh, comments that I'm just putting together at the moment to sort of. Uh, but I think it's I think it's kind of really interesting that. It sort of happened here in a way. You know, there's, there's yeah. kind of a lot going on with them turning up and saying we're all about open RAN now, and you know, the, here's here's the proof of it. And yeah. they they were on a panel as well, sort of saying similar things. But um, you had to yeah. assume they're in a tough spot because it's like the whole idea of open RAN and open networks is to unseat incumbents, and they've been the incumbent, and now they're tr trying to get into you know the open networks to not only help their customers but be you know kind of in step with the industry. But almost every move they make in the space is going to be viewed with a, a, a more than the usual amount of uh, skepticism. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a yeah they're 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 in a, a tough spot. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how things are received and what, what where it goes next. And also, I'm I'm, all, I'm kind of curious as to whether Open RAN ends up being something that becomes more of a dominant technology in things like uh, private networks and maybe not so much in mass market broad deployments yeah um, Dish talked a little bit about open ran too and wasn't their message kind of it's not that complicated yeah and i, I just <laughs> met with mark around now actually he kind of said the same thing it's really not that complicated but oh, well. well he was saying that they have an operations team that is 50 people so you'd and his comparison for an operator of a similar size like traditional would be 2000 mm. so and he said it's all based on sort of people talk about systems integration being really hard and he's, he's sort of insisting it isn't if you if you have apis you're not actually writing software you're kind of putting stuff together and if the apis are there it shouldn't be that hard to kind of assemble but 
but you hear totally different messages from other parts of the industry, obviously, yeah. about yeah. from people trying to do this. So. Yeah, exactly. We, I mean, we, we uh, Rakuten had a presentation here as well, and they are, the number of employees that they have in their network division is, has declined now. They used to be 250, and now it's 200, well, according to their latest chart. So they're they've got they can do more with less, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they said this. They said a similar thing. But if you look at like NTT Docomo or KDDI, they'd have sort of thousands of people on that yeah. side. So, so this is where I suppose if once they get over the hassle of actually building stuff and, and the capex spike that's going on, which is reflected in earnings and just makes them look miserable at the moment, maybe yeah. we will see some of these automation savings and you know this efficiency of having only kind of 50 people or 200 people. Maybe it will. Jury's still but, out. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's. It, but they're getting tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark Ryan was saying it just takes time, but it's yeah. It, and every year we meet, and it's like the same, the same message. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, meanwhile the technology industry is coming up with new things like Chat GPT all the time, and right, there's, yeah. there's, there's a new thing every year, and telecom's still trying to get open interfaces to work. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a different uh, different scenario. So uh, so your tech your takeaway is five uh, G monetization is important. We need it now. Yours is uh, open ran is great, or or <laughs> could be yeah, great. Yeah. We don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, what about you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, there's lots going on at the show, obviously, um, but I actually had a really interesting conversation with the wholesale team from T-Mobile, uh, and okay. they were at the show last year. They basically had a keynote session that was like, "We're open for business. Mm -hmm. Our network is available for wholesale purchase." And since then, they've signed a couple of new MVNO deals. In fact, they bought an MVNO named Midmobile, the Ryan Reynolds one. Um, but they also inked an MVNO deal with a company called Helium Mobile. And Helium is one of those like super weird decentralized wireless companies that's trying to get to pay, to pay you to put in your own cell tower. And then that's how they're going to make a network is by paying everyone to run their own cell tower on the top of their house. But what I thought was... Don't you have, is there an upfront cost for the consumer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you buy the cell tower, so wow. you pay for it. Don't they pay you in like, um, uh, Board cryptocurrency? Or yeah. Oh, cryptocurrency. Possibly go wrong. I, but <laughs> here, now this sounds like a really it, uh, dodgy Exactly, story. exactly. <laughs> and so that was literally, Monopoly money. that was literally my question to them was like, come on guys, yeah. like really? And what they said, the, and, and what I thought was interesting though, was what their response was, which was, we're here to like help foster innovation. Maybe this won't work, but we're like, we're in it. We're hoping that they, that some one of these crazy ideas is successful. And that is our job as a wholesaler is like to provide them access, to give them the tools that they need to, or they, they could use to be successful. And like, we're, we're, and what's really interesting is that, especially here in the US, in historically, carriers never talked about the MVNOs that they supported. In fact, they right. wouldn't even admit that their network was powering a particular MVNO. Right. And now here's T-Mobile coming out and saying, like, yeah, we're we're supporting this network. We hope that they are successful. We'll try to help them in whatever way we can. And I even asked them, like, you know, is there any chance that you would ever integrate those helium hotspots that people have designed into your own network? And they said, well, maybe. Like, we'll see. Yeah. And what, which is a, like, you would never hear that previously, yeah. an operator even consider that kind of thing. So I feel like there's, 
that approach is, is, is one that I think is interesting and, and a little bit new, and it's a little bit of an acknowledgement of like, operators can't do everything. They do need to be open-minded for some of this stuff to actually work. It was, I, I don't know, it was a little bit of a ray of like, light in a mostly dour <laughs> outlook of like, well, it doesn't really work and it's yeah. not going to happen. And Do you yeah. think the change in the attitude of acknowledging the MVNOs is that to show that they're more innovative or... Like, yeah. Why, I'm just curious why the culture change of, you know... They admitted that. They were like, yeah, normally we would never talk about our MVNOs and now we're... Now, it's different now. We've got a new team in place. We have this sort of new um, emphasis around our wholesale business following the Sprint merger. They basically let them go, you know, do what they're going to do and try to foster business. And they admitted that it's it's not easy to sell wholesale access. There's actually not a lot of MVNOs out there right now. And so they're kind of trying to, like, drum up some business by actually being, okay. you know, open and engaging rather than we're the best and everybody else is second. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I, I like the idea of them fostering innovation and yeah. and. and Perhaps it also takes the sting out of, you know, the, these companies that are on their network could be seen as disruptive to their business. But, you know, from a shareholder point of view, if you're powering the network and you're making making that a selling point, suddenly I feel safe, you know, safer investing in something like T-Mobile because you're like, oh, OK, you know, they're they're not only powering, you know, the broad consumer network and, and they have a, you know, enterprise side, but they're also helping you know these these disruptive networks, or they have a hand in that somehow. So they, they it, it doesn't uh, doesn't feel like they're getting uh, uh, you know outrun by anyone. So that's yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, other kind of points I came across during this was uh, uh, during the show was uh, how interesting and and uh, just how staggering the scale is of some uh, enterprise enterprises in private 5G. Uh, you know, I was talking to the uh, to, to a gentleman from John Deere about the uh, 5G network. They're in the process of rolling out uh, in their various manufacturing facilities. And these are, you know, I think he said something like 60 something facilities, but these are like massive places where they build combines, tractors and everything and how they're just going to eventually uh, you know, replace miles and miles of Ethernet cable with uh, sensors and 5G connected devices and run it on a private 5G network. And how the, he was kind of walking me through the process of like how they came to the decision of using cellular versus Wi-Fi and, and why that was better than uh, Ethernet and that sort of thing. And and it was, it, it sort of dawned on me the, that when you run a certain, you know, any enterprise activity, be it manufacturing or whatever, when you run it at a certain scale, um, you don't think about mobility as much. You know, in, in in the past, you might not have thought about mobility. You would just wire everything out there. But you know, these days, they're they're trying to be more nimble, more flexible. They might have to downsize in one area and upsize in another, depending on where demand is. And to do that in a wired network is just exceedingly complex. And he's like, now I can. I can redeploy software engineers. I can redeploy uh, people on the manufacturing floor. I can redeploy the tools themselves. And as soon as I move them to where they need to be, they're connected, they're on the network, I can see everything and I can monitor it. I didn't really think about that before as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a knock on benefit of private 5G. I do wonder um, how well the carriers will get at uh, communicating that to, to other industries. 
you know, and, and you know, because John Deere is kind of a little more future forward in terms of how it thinks about, uh, you know, its business and its place in the world and that sort of thing. They've CES, they announced autonomous tractors and stuff like that. So they're they're kind of out there. But um, I wonder if some of these older older industries that are less connected will come around to that uh, realization. If they do, if they do, it could be you know quite a big business. Uh, it, you know, for the carriers on, on their 5G network. Yeah, that agricultural market, I think, is one that's really gone all in on IoT, isn't it? And yeah. Like, you wouldn't think necessarily of tractors and people driving combine harvesters around fields being especially, doesn't, it wouldn't necessarily stand out as a sector to take advantage of this first, but it has done. I mean, John Deere is like really kind of maybe one of the most advanced tech companies in the world. It's, it seems like it would be something that would, I've always thought of it as like, you know, set it and forget it type of thing. Like they do, a, you know, they're in a seasonal business, you know, it comes around every year. It's the same thing every year. But what he was saying is that, you know, well, first of all, some of this stuff could be disrupted with climate change. They need to be more flexible anyway. But secondly, he was saying that the, um, the, the planting and harvesting windows, you know, primary windows for, for farmers, is so small, like maybe 10 days, you know, in a season, that any amount of time that their gear isn't working or that they don't know what's going on or that they can't find it and diagnose it quickly is, you know, uh, some huge percentage of that farm's income for the whole year, you yeah. know, gone. And so, you know, and so if you lose a day, that's a 10th of your income, you know, gone in one day. So, so having the equipment, not only the uptime is super important, but everything that has to do with keeping that equipment uh, in service and, and, uh, and in use is, is important. I think that, that you know, maybe, uh, maybe that's what's needed to sell private 5G and, and, and IoT, the IoT business a little bit more, because I think talking about the network itself is, is great, but I, I think highlighting those like problems that they're solving is so much more interesting. It's, yeah. much, it's a much more compelling story. Yeah. Um, okay, any other uh, takeaways or uh, fun things you saw at the event? We'll go ahead and wrap up. No? Uh, my, You're I've done? been scootering everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> I've gotten really good at it, and I always, in in my head, is Mike's voice saying, bend your knees. Yeah, yeah, keep your knees. <laughs> yeah, soft, knees soft, soft knees, soft knees. Soft knees. And do you wear your, to your teeth guard, right? Your mouth guard, you put that into? No, no you didn't bring that. I'll have to. Okay. All right. I'll let you borrow one of mine. I brought my. Oh, yeah. It. No, I just a couple extra. <laughs> I, I haven't okay. done it yet, but I, I found out that Mont Ruan scooters in as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he was saying it's great fun, like scootering in on yeah. these. Uh, All right. Well, so you've got to be careful because they go up to 15 miles an hour. But uh, scooter race, <laughs> it is on the five, the big 5G scooter race. Yeah, I was kind of going whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked to my left, and this guy's just like flying down. And yeah, like, that was Mont Ruan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll uh, we'll leave it there for now we'll see you all uh online at lightreading.com uh thanks for listening thanks for watching and we'll see you next year near dallas at the network next show bye for now Shut down.